All right, Lee, I'm very excited today because as we've talked about on many episodes before, I really like of all the cooking I do, the barbecue stuff is the, the most fun. I like the I like the science behind it, I like the taste of it, I like the process of doing it. And so uh, we got Ryan Pico with uh, Chup Smith City hang Barbecue. On, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. All right, so it's Paco, like P A Y dash C O. Paco? Paco. Okay. Um, and Chops, like C H O P S. Chops. Okay. Yeah. When that, we actually, <clears throat> I don't know if we'll get into that or not, but we, we initially was going to be just Chop Smokehouse. Yeah. But the public no, couldn't get nobody it. Nobody could I was get it. Like, See? I don't want to mess with like the phonetics of a restaurant branding. Like, it's how it's spelled. Right. And so Chapatulas yeah. is uh-huh. obviously the Indian Mardi Gras yeah. Indian crew from New Orleans. And so that's yeah. the Chopies, okay. which is the name of our dog, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so see, and so when I've talked to people about y'all's place, because like, have y'all been here? Is it good or anything? Nobody pronounced it the same way twice. Like I've heard it. I, I think uh, I think Chups was probably the most consistent one right. I've heard. And welcome to Homestyle, the podcast from the Daily Advertiser that's all about life, family, and the stories they inspire. I'm Joe Cunningham. And I'm Lee Guidry. Looking for a recipe or instructions for our food and crafts? Join our Facebook group by searching for The Homestyle Podcast on Facebook and at HomestylePod on Instagram. wanted to to get Ryan in to talk about it because unlike a lot of other restaurants you know you can go in you can build a menu you can just cook something right there barbecue is I think probably one of the tougher ones to get right on the restaurant scene because you don't just cook to order you have to sit there all day and cook and everything's got to be perfect and got to be consistent all day in order for it to be successful and obviously if you're going to put yourself through that it is it's it's a lot of it, it, it's a lot of masochism there, and you you need to you, you need to you know be somebody who's very passionate about it to go with it. So wanted to get Ryan on to talk about it. So uh, just Ryan, start us off with your story. Like why why a smokehouse? Um, first, let me say you're right. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Um, and it took a, it took a lot of work to get it right because mm-hmm. you know you can cook your whole life. You can smoke briskets and and and, and ribs and sausage at your house. And then when you hire a chef, he did the same thing forever, right? And y'all mm-hmm. did it differently. Yeah. And then when you have commercial smokers, they do it totally differently. So everything you kind of knew from a time, temp, wood style seasoning, it's different when you mm-hmm. start over. It's not in your backyard anymore. Um, <clears throat> so that, that's, I just want to acknowledge you're yeah. right. It's hard. The, uh, the, the story's actually kind of simple. You know, I, I, I started... Uh, in the restaurant industry, working my way through high school and, and college, um, and and fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. Made some of my best friends in, in that restaurant in that time frame. Practically everybody at my wedding were, were, were guys and gals that I, I worked with in, in the restaurant industry. Um, didn't want to stay in that industry as I, I you know, graduated from UL. Uh, got into the, the, the uh, real estate world commercially. Uh, I do. My day job, which still is the day job, is, uh, is I, I do commercial brokerage, tenant representation, shopping center development, all, all retail work, and I've done that for 20 plus years now. Um, <clears throat> but like I said, the, the restaurant piece is, once it's in your blood, it, it kind of never goes away. 
And so for the last 10 years or so, I've been kind of um, teasing my wife that, that I was going to open a restaurant, and she kept calling me crazy, and, and that's fine. I've gotten that a lot over the course <laughs> of time. And um, got close a few, a few shots, but just something didn't feel right. And, and honestly, being a, a real estate guy and, and watching a lot of my tenants um, start up and fail for, for many reasons, um, not just restaurant guys, but just any kind of tenant, you know, the location piece is, is really important. It, it, it creates the, the kind of the foundation for your brand mm -hmm. and, and what you want your customer to, to, to feel and experience when they walk in. And I just, I never kind of got the gut feel I needed from the location standpoint. So it was October of 19. Mm -hmm. um, one of my colleagues and I went to lunch and, and he mentioned that he had driven by the old house that we're in mm -hmm. currently and it had a, a, a real estate sign in the front yard. And I said, man, I, I've driven by that a million times, never really thought much about it, never really had a reason to, honestly. So we left lunch and, and went and started kind of peering through the windows. And I was like, this, this could make some sense. Ultimately got into the space the next day. Um, I'm very much a, a visionary as far as creation, right? I, I often say it at day job is uh, I create vision for the visionless. Like it's, it's, it's hard to walk into a space and see something, but I've, I've always kind of had that. When you develop a shopping center, you have to look at a piece of land and say, hey, where are the buildings gonna go? Where are the access points? Where's the parking lot? I, I, I do that. So I walked in this house and I was like, oh, I get it. Like, you could see oh, it. first off, we're keeping the kitchen. We're cooking in the kitchen, grandma's kitchen. It's nasty old green cabinets. And, and I said, this is, yeah, this is, this is it, right? And then as I walked through the rest of the home, I was like, this room is gonna be the bar. This is going to be the bathroom. This is the dining, and it just it just really clicked. And so um, <clears throat> I, I, I made a couple calls, got site control uh, pretty quickly, and then um, rang a few folks that I thought I would want to be part of the team initially. And we'll, we'll probably get into that in a little bit. Um, but from that point on, it was off to the races. You know, we we had to get multiple variances to convert it from. It was originally a house, obviously. It, most recently, it was a, a salon and kind of day spa. Um, but obviously, adding alcohol um, with the bar component mm -hmm. uh, in the zoning district, it is. We had to go through. And then just there was lots of different variables. But those were things that were my comfort zone. That's what I, I do on a, on a daily yeah. basis, right? So we um, got the site control, got all our permits, were able to start swinging hammers uh, on January 2nd of 2020. Um, a lot of these last 18 months. And then the months, world changed. Right? It, it, <laughs> cool, shortly thereafter. Yeah, it was like two more months. Yeah, two more months. Um, so at, at that point, we had, you know, we, we put together a menu. Um, I hired uh, Blake Fontenot as my uh, executive chef and kitchen manager. Yeah, I guess he was maybe my first technical hire. Mm -hmm. Um, and and we, uh, you know, he, he started kind of cultivating the menu a little bit while I really focused on the build out. And we were ordering equipment, um, you know, interviewing general managers and, and things that affect. And then to your point, the, the world came to a screeching halt. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and look, I'm a very glass three quarters full kind of guy. I, I just, I, I believe in if you wake up happy, the world's happy and, and you, know, yeah. you get kicked in the shins from time to time. And this was clearly but, a- But you recover. Right, and, and, and you make the best of the opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. um, I mean, so my, my brokerage and shopping center development world stopped, mm. even more so than, than the restaurant, which was kind of progressing. And so truly I, I became a carpenter for the next multiple months. Um, you know, I could go to the, the regular office and spend a couple hours, shoot some emails out and hope that 
you get something back in a day or a week or something. But yeah. no, man. So I, I strapped up my tool belt and and we uh, we went to work. Um, mm-hmm. You know, taught my son how to use a nail gun and and <laughs> kept him busy. And 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 we and we built out the space. You know, mm-hmm. and, and and during that process, you know, the equipment started coming in. Some came in on time. Other stuff was four or five months delayed and, and some stuff you're just hoping you're gonna get it because you couldn't get something on the backside of a phone call yeah. or an email or anything. You know, a lot of the equipment came out of the Northeast and they shut down first yeah. um, in, in, in spring of last year. So um, <clears throat> I, I said, look, we're gonna, we're gonna keep going. There, there's, there's no way to stop at this point. Um, I, I wasn't gonna stop. I'm, I'm a firm believer that what we were in was gonna go away at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess it has for all intents and purposes, but it's, it hasn't also. I mean, yeah. there's still plenty of struggles associated with um, you know, the, 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 the pandemic world. Yeah. But um, you know, I, I guess I'm gonna kind of unwind and, and try to answer your question in a, in a less technical way, right? Like, in, in more of the, the passionate way. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of, of the restaurant really was a midlife crisis. I mean, if we're just going to be totally honest with, with, with myself, um, part of it was a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, like whenever I lived in New Orleans, you could go to any of the neighborhoods there and they had these repurposed houses. They were mm-hmm. the neighborhood bar, the neighborhood restaurant, the neighborhood hangout. And, and you could go in each one and each had a different feel. I mean, you go mm-hmm. walk down Rainy Street in, in, in Austin, you've got a lot of repurposed houses. You know, Memphis has them, Jacksonville has them, Kansas City has them. Those are all great barbecue towns mm-hmm. as well. And <clears throat> I, I like hanging out at those kind of places. I, I'm a craft beer guy. I chase beer way off the beaten path, mm-hmm. way away from where tourists go in neighborhoods, and you run across these spots. And I always found those my favorite spots. My wife's a, a dog lover. She was first, I am now, we, we both are. And, and so, you know, having a spot where you could bring your, your dog and hang out on the back deck in the backyard was very important. You know, there's not a lot of that in Lafayette. You see that in a lot of other communities. I mean, to the point now, we've got the dog menu. We've got yeah. the, the five different dog beers and the dog treats and mm-hmm. people love it. They, they bring their dogs and they celebrate dog. We had a dog birthday over the weekend on the back deck. Oh really, really cool. Um, you know, and, and part of it was an investment diversification. You know, I, I, most of, of my external investments that are, you know, kind of active and passive are in the real estate world. This is something different. It's, a, it's obviously a much more active investment. Mm-hmm. Um, so for all those reasons, I said, look, I'm, I'm going to create where I like to go and be able to drink the beer I want to drink, you know, have the 30 plus whiskeys that I like to drink when, when we have a, a good piece of, of smoked meat or whatever, or, or just a, a chill on a happy hour, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and cause I knew I wasn't the only dude who liked some of these things. And you know, barbecue hasn't had a great legacy in Lafayette, it, it, mm-hmm. it really hasn't. I was, uh, we'll, 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 I'll let you ask me a question, we'll get into an answer that I predicted you're gonna, mm-hmm. you're gonna look for in a minute. Um, but you know, I said, there's no reason you can't do it. If, yeah. if you put enough effort, blood, sweat, tears, passion in it, you'll get there, right? That was my, my hope mm-hmm. at least. So kind of going back to the, the beginning of what you were saying, you know, the kind of the technical aspect of it, you know, you've got your years of experience. You've hired a guy who's head chef, head of kitchen, y'all's experience. And there's a big difference between, you know, cooking at home versus commercial equipment and things like that. I know from the barbecue standpoint, one little deviation from what you're used to is going to drastically affect the product. So how did you balance all of those things out? Um, it was trial and error. You know, I, I want to say it was probably last March-ish when we had the smokehouse was constructed, we had mm-hmm. the gas plumbed out to it, the smokers came in, we made the connection, we said, Let, let's, let's start. 
Um, I remember that uh, my, I had my brisket recipe and Blake had his, and we were both gonna show each other up, right? We, <laughs> we put them in the smoker. Um, Competition. Yeah, and, and we said, we'll meet you here at five o'clock tomorrow morning, we'll pull them off and we'll, we'll see who's king. Mm -hmm. Well, we met at 4.45, we anxiously pulled them off, we sliced into both of them and they were garbage. I mean, total <laughs> garbage. You're like, this is, so you're like, you know, first fails, right? Mm -hmm. And then we pull, we said, we, we weren't gonna wait another 24 hours, we don't said, let's pull another one out of the wrapper right now. We did our thing, we got it prepped. Later that day, we put it back in and it was less garbage, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it took us eight briskets um, to, to, to at least get to a point where we said, okay, now we have a foundation to tweak from. Yeah. It, it just, it took a while. Um, and then each, and so we spent, in that month of March, the first week was, was brisket. The second week was the, the, the pulled pork, right? And then we just kind of went through each of the categories until we got it right. And sometimes, one time, we, the turkey, we, we nailed on the first try. It was mm -hmm. shocking. And honestly, it's one of the best kept secrets on the menu. I'm not even sure how secretive it is anymore. The turkey is out so of control. We get we get the whole hog because we like to, to try everything. And the turkey, my, my youngest is fairly picky. She, for whatever reason, doesn't like chicken. But she saw that. She said, that's chicken. I'm like, sure. And she took a bite, and she loved it. It is... You're right. Turkey, turkey. If you get it right the first time, is phenomenal. But sometimes people don't realize just how quickly a turkey breast can dry mm -hmm. out. So to get that right the first time, congratulations on yeah, that. Yeah, like it, it was a nice accident considering how many other things we, we <laughs> threw away. Right? Yeah. But yeah, the uh, I mean, there's there's so many different things that you guys do offer, and it's not just like you know what are you going to get on that that classic barbecue plate where it's like a couple different meats and mm -hmm. some sides, or whatever. You guys have a, a full menu, sandwiches, things like things like that. I want to know about sauces. I'm all about sauces. So is your barbecue the sauce on it, or do you offer sauces on, on the side? E either way, either okay. way. So all of our sauces are, are homemade, Okay. Uh, which we're very proud of. And we've actually had some guys who sell sauces uh, come in and try to sell us their products, so we, you know, yeah. we, we carry it. And they actually tried our sauce and said, actually, yours is better than mine. I'm not going to sell you anything, which was really, <laughs> really humbling. And, it, and it's a very true story. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're all, they're all um, homemade. And you can order pretty much anything you want, wet or dry. Uh, we, we know some people, they really want the meat mm -hmm. and they'll dab the sauce. Other people, they, they want some meat with their sauce, right? Yeah. It, it just depends. Mm -hmm. um, so, and like, and I've got my favorite. We've got the Mid-City, which is kind of the more traditional. It's mm -hmm. spicy. We actually... One of those things you, you, you learn as you go, like they kept getting clogged when you squeeze because the mm -hmm. chili flakes in them, we had to cut the tops of all yeah. of the brown ones so you could squeeze it. Um, now, I was never a big Carolina fan because I'm just, I'm honestly not a huge mustard guy, mm -hmm. uh, but neither is Blake, my chef. And so he is Carolina, has the, the vinegar and the pungent, but it's not watery and it's not overly mustardy. It, it's got one, a really good balance. One thing I noticed, y'all's Carolina was not that thin water. Yes. It, was, it was a good balance. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't do that. Now, I, I like on any of the white meats, the, the mm -hmm. turkey or the chickens, the Carolina sauce is a perfect yeah. punch, kind of tangy to, of the sweetness of that meat. Whereas on the dark meats, I like the mid city. It just, mm -hmm. it creates a whole lot of boldness. And then y'all have the root beer one right. too, which is I think my kid's favorite. Cause that was super sweet yep. and, and really good. I'm not, I'm not a huge uh, sweet sauce guy. Mm -hmm. I, I like it, but just not as much as the other two, but people love it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, I like that there are options. Cause mm -hmm. I, yeah. I love the sauce. Like if, if you can dip any food in something, like it's better. It doesn't matter if it's gravy or cheese or barbecue sauce. 
You just gotta be able to dip your food. See, my, my wife's not a big meat eater. Um, so the thought of a barbecue restaurant Which truly didn't really enamor her a ton. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the menu, we wanted it where it'd be soft enough where she could go in and, and enjoy it. But also, you know, early on, or even still now, people are like, man, I'm just not a big heavy meat eater. I'm like, you don't have, have to, to be. be yeah. I, I, I go in a lot of times at lunch just to check in on the staff. I, I'm consistently tasting things. I'm consistently taking notes, both you know, visual and, and from a taste perspective. But I, I love our wedge salad with the diced turkey and the honey lime vinaigrette. It is a super light, flavorful mm -hmm. lunch. I mean, I, I, I struggle to take the last couple bites, but it's 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 really good. But I mean, like the quesadillas are great. Like, you know, whenever Blake came up with the, the smoked hummus, um, you know, so he smokes the chickpeas, and then and then he does his, his process to actually make the hummus. He gives it a, a totally different flavor profile that you wouldn't normally expect. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into the drinks, but we smoke four of our drinks actually as well. We smoke the simple syrup, um, and then and people were freaked out like oh, I'm not sure. And then you get into them, and it's like oh yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure, sure he'll have a lot of questions specifically about the smoking, but I'm interested in kind of the the creative side on it. Like, what has it been like for you to all this trial and error and to work with someone else and to figure it out together? So, um, it was hard, mm -hmm. but very rewarding and easy at the same time. That's a pretty hedged answer. I mean, like, there, there were spots that were truly difficult to physically go through, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I built a really awesome team and I, I know what I don't know. Like I'm really good at knowing what I don't know. And, and so, you know, there are a lot of times, so Mark Shasson is my general manager, um, and, you know, he has a lot of history in the operational side of, of, of the restaurant bar scene, and he's just super level-headed, but he, he, and he doesn't speak a lot, but when he, when he does talk, you listen, because he, he's got a thought, right? Um, and then and the Nathan Walker is um, actually the first person I called once I got site control, and he's my assistant general manager, and he is runs my bar program, and he's a he's a designer, uh, true and true designer, and the cocktails mm -hmm. he created are, are designed cocktails, uh, both from a, a flavor profile for the customer. Um, look, smell, taste, mm -hmm. but also from the execution side, he makes them very manageable for the bar. They're craft cocktails mm -hmm. that don't take an hour to make each one at a time, right? Like, really, really cool. But, you know, those guys during the process, you know, honestly, initially my thought was it was going to be more of a fast casual setup where the, the two windows that we now expo the food out from the kitchen, mm -hmm. we're going to be where a customer would walk in the door, order there, sit down, take a number, and it would be kind of a, a you know, quasi service yeah. from there. And I remember a day where I could see both both Nate and, and Mark uh, in the corner. I, they were up to no good, mm -hmm. and they came around and they, they they bent my elbows like they did multiple times. And they said, "Look, we don't think this is the, the best course of, of, of action for mm -hmm. us, and here's why." And when we sat down. I, I was leaving. I said, oh, "I'm going to stay," and we, we we hashed it out for a couple hours and decided, "No, you know what? Full service is the way to go." And and you know, A B C D E F G were all the reasons mm -hmm. to do it. And, and they were 100% right, and, and I got no problem. So the collaboration um, was was good. It really, it was good. Um, it's made everything better. 100%, I mean, and, and those guys appreciate they've got a, an ownership that is very open to their thought processes. And I, I found, I've never been in this role before, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm on the restaurant side, and I, I, I'll be honest, I've found that a lot of 
my employees were almost in, in abusive work relationships before. Like they were creative guys that didn't have a chance to express it. And, and, and I said, that's just not who I am. And so I've, this thing is, is very, got, very much got their fingerprints on it too. On, on that on that creative note, I, I, I have to ask because you, you've done commercial real estate and development and things like that. Does your experience with that kind of help you in terms of the, the branding and everything? Because you see how other businesses, other commercial properties kind of develop, not just, you know, who they are, but everything from layout, everything like that builds that kind of brand. And I know you, you guys have done branding from everything on the type of food you do to I own one of y'all's hats. I've seen y'all selling the t-shirts and everything. Just how, how does your experience as somebody who's watched these other commercial properties developed image-wise, brand-wise, how does that help you in development? Um, I, I think that's a, a pointed question, and it's, I think it's critical. Like brand recognition is the hardest thing to gain, and but once you have it, it it's got deep, deep roots. Um, and I've seen a lot of concepts come and go in my 20 years of commercial real estate who, I mean, look, when we lease a, a, a shopping center you know, premises to somebody, you want them to be successful. It costs to put them in there, it costs to get them out. It costs, you, it's a marriage. But man, sometimes you can get them like, this is not, it's not going to work, right? But, and, and a lot of times the, the, there's too much imagery. There's too much going on. It's, it's not simple. You don't know what it is. And, 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 and Everything about the brand you need to know. Like the logo is, it's it's very basic. It's got some very basic keywords of, hey, barbecue, bar, smokehouse, right? Mid city, yeah. geographically. You know what you're getting. You, you, you know up. what you're getting. You, you you pull up at a house and you're like, okay, we don't have this in Lafayette. Mm -hmm. This kind of feels my grandma's house. Sunday barbecue, mm -hmm. like that. that's part of it. The oak trees, hang out, slow down, pace yourself, right? Yeah. Those kind of things, you know, the, the, the heavy door when you walk in, the old wood floors, right? I mean, the ambiance, it's, there's so many times you have a, a great concept, but the ambiance and the concept conflicted with each other, right? Like, I want you to walk in and feel like you're, you're in your grandma's house. Uh, we kept as many of the fixtures as we possibly could in the house. You know, uh, we, we tracked down some, some old sinks that were kind of period specific. We got tiled that matched what was in the bathrooms we, we pulled out. You know, my, my favorite, some of my favorite pieces are, you know, in the restrooms, the, the, the partitions between the stalls or the old doors from the closets in the rooms that we oh, took right. out. I, I really, and I said, we're keeping all of the hardware. Like I wanted it to, to feel that way. Um, the back bar itself, those are 70 year old pine shelves that were in the pantry. Mm -hmm. Then we turn into the office and nobody sees, but they, I had those stacked in the corner. My wife's like, when are we gonna throw these stinky things out? I'm like, they had beans, they were hanging on them from the, you know, whatever. And I was like, no, no, no. And we put them up and they, and they, they fit perfect. Like the last cut on the last piece of wood was like the last shelf. There, there were a lot of kind of divine intervention things that really were, were kind of wild. Um, but that, you know, I'm shocked, pleasantly shocked at how often we get compliments with the music, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, a, I'm a music guy. And if you don't have some 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 good blues in there, some good guitar in there, you know each and then at night it, it changes. You know I've got we have I guess from our, our our Wednesday to Sunday, each day there's a morning playlist and there's an, an afternoon evening playlist and they're not the same on any day. They're always switching around. So one, I didn't want the staff to get totally bored with it. Yeah. But two, each day has kind of its own its own feel. So all of those things, you know, from the glassware, having the beer in the mason jars, right? Like mm -hmm. all those kind of things, that brand matters because you want somebody to walk in and say, 
I know where I am, I know what I'm getting, and this is my expectation. And then it's our job to you know, execute yeah. on what they think they're gonna get. Yeah, because I think you do see a lot of times uh, this one location will be you know, this business, then this is, especially with the restaurants, you see mm -hmm. it over and over again and then they're gone and everyone thinks the place is cursed. I call that the regurgitation factor. Okay. I've, I've, I've called that forever, but we can go through the list of them in town, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, everyone knows. Yeah. yeah. But uh, what did your wife say when you said, this is actually happening, let's do this? Um, I, I honestly don't think she believed me. Yeah, because um, you've been talking about it for so yeah, long. Yeah, I've been talking about it for a while and I mean, the reality is I knew she believed me. Yeah. I think she didn't want to believe me. Um, you know, we had recently opened a, a business for her a couple years before and that kept her super preoccupied and, and she's excelled at it. Mm -hmm. um, and, but we're, we're not bored at home, I can promise you. We're, yeah. we're, we're busy, busy folks. And um, I'm, I'm a pretty risk happy guy. Um, and, but I'm, I'm very calculated in my risk taking. I, mean, I, I think she was in denial for a while. I, I, I truly believe that. And then we got going and then she tried the turkey and then she got really <laughs> she excited about it. that. And, and then we got going and, and she saw what we were going to do. And, and then at that point, she's 100% behind it. And, and you know, she's, she's just killed it from a support standpoint for me on when things are hard. Um, and then just from, you know, she's got a marketing background and, and like, as I mentioned, um, before we kind of turn the recorder on, you know, she's really run the social media aspect and, and she excels at it. She, she really, really does. And that's a big piece nowadays. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. Um, and like, and again, that's what I knew I didn't know, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I knew that I could turn the physical plant into what you see. Mm -hmm. I knew that the pieces and parts I could bring together, but there's spots where I didn't. So if, if Tracy didn't have that capacity, I would have had to outsource it. Luckily it was, it was in, in our roof. Yeah. yeah. Well, you probably have some specific smoking questions. Well, I, we went over a good bit of it already, but I, so again, a lot of people, when you think of, of barbecue, a lot of times people who haven't done it a bunch of them, so they think sauce, but barbecue is, is about, you know, the, the process, the, the low and, and, and the low and slow of that. But you guys also have an actual like kitchen where, where there's a lot of kitchen appliances doing a lot of the cooking as well. Because uh, you and I mentioned, you know, like you said before the recording turned on, it's very hard to do something by all fire. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, mm -hmm. if because if if the fire's not working right one day, that screws you up. And it, that, it can be anything from the humidity being just like a little sure. bit off, and that'll mess up your fire. So, in terms of producing the food, obviously barbecue takes a while, so you can't cook that to order. But the other stuff without giving away too many secrets or anything like that, just in determining what the menu was, what you were going to provide, provide it, and the process of, of getting all the stuff together and getting ready to serve that through the day, what kind of led to some of your menu decisions? The, the meats were the core, clearly. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going to do that, it, it's about the meat. Um, it, and it, it's going to you know, start with the brisket and then it's going to pull pork because everybody expects that. Mm -hmm. like there, was a, there was a spot, though, where I was up, thought about only doing brisket one or two days a week. There yeah. are some barbecue shops that I truly respect across the country that that's what they do. They use that to draw business. And once we did it, we're like, we can't, we can't yeah. not serve this. We just can't, you know? So those are both 16 hour cooks. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so they go on the, the day before 
and then our, our crew gets there, you know, five o'clock in the morning, and, and they start getting ready to pull some of that stuff off. Mm-hmm. Um, at that point, they're loading in the, we have the two smokers, we call one Maverick and one Goose. I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a Top Gun guy. Yeah. And when those burners turn on, they, they sound it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Maverick runs our, 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 uh, our, our brisket and the pulled pork, and we run pecan mm-hmm. with, with those two meats. And then Goose runs the ribs, the sausage, uh, the turkey, uh, everything else, and that one uh, we use mesquite because mm-hmm. it, it, it's got more of a bite, and since those burns are less, mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to, to have that bite in there. And obviously, um, the bacon burn-ins get run mm-hmm. in goose, which has become a cult favorite yeah. all on its its own. How, how do you come up with the idea? Because I know a lot of people like burn-ins, like brisket or even pork right. belly burn-ins, but the idea of taking the, the bacon and just doing that as burn-ins, how did that idea come well, up? Well, I, I was hesitant initially to, to do you know, the typical brisket burn-ins, just because mm-hmm. the, if you don't sell them, you're wasting them. Yeah. And, and they're really expensive, mm-hmm. like really expensive part of, of the cut. Um, and so one of my best friends who um, was able to spend some time with me during the COVID slowdown world, he was also helping with while we were kind of test cooking stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest, it was it was his idea. He he'd run across um, somebody hacking up some pork belly and, and mm-hmm. doing something pretty similar. And we said, well, let's just give this a try. And one time, like, yep. Yeah, and we, we didn't get it right the first time, but we knew we were close enough to get this right. right. And so and, and it was a very different kind of product. And mm-hmm. we weren't sure what it was gonna do. It was gonna be a starter and we were gonna sell some. I didn't even be selling hundreds a weekend, <laughs> but we were going to sell some, um, and and we, we certainly do. I mean, it is it's a thing. It's, and, anybody who's never had burn-ins, it's like taking meat and turning it into a very sticky candy. It's mm-hmm. really good, and then just taking that with like a chunk of bacon is. We we've heard so many adjectives of of what people describe in legal crack. Yeah. Um, bacon candy. I mean, just on and on and on. Um, and we've had a lot of people say, I don't like bacon, but I mm-hmm. like these. Like that, that's cool too. Um, it's, it's, it's really neat to see. You know, the, the pork side of it, cause you know, Louisiana right next to East Texas, that's obviously very big brisket, very big beef part of the barbecue scene. Pork, you kind of find all over, but, um, you know, that's, that's kind of the specialty of the Carolinas really. But how, how do you get like, how do you get the, the, the pork shoulder just right because I actually before we came here I my my wife my mother-in-law and my youngest and I were at a place and they had pulled pork but it was clearly not smoked it was one of those it was either done in a crock pot a slow cooker or roasted or something and that to me is all I've never really liked pulled pork like that because the smoking process adds so more when you cook it like that you can dry it out really easy, or it can be way, way too moist because it's sitting in its That's own right. juices yeah. too much. So how do you get the, the pork shoulder just right for the pulled pork? Well, I mean, like it, so much starts with the quality of cut, right? Yeah. Like when, when you start getting stuff that's not smoked, it's probably not mm-hmm. as high quality of what we're demanding we bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, and that's, that's expensive in the commodity pricing world right now is yeah. wild sauce to say the least. Um, but you know, we, we like a, we like a bone in shoulder cause that's mm-hmm. going to create uh, a little bit more moisture content kind of mm-hmm. around when you have that duration on it. Um, it, it's, it's really just about the consistency, you know, time, temp, smoke mm-hmm. and, and where you place it in the smoker. I mean, it, it, it it's, it's, matters. it's science and art, you know, it, it, it really kind of is both. And then, and then you get into the holding piece, right? Mm-hmm. Like most, well, I say most, 
a lot of barbecue restaurants, it's we open at 11 o'clock and we close when we run out, right? Yeah. And <clears throat> I really didn't want to do that. I really wanted to say I want to have par levels that we're mm -hmm. making our, our best guess of how what we're going to have and how we're going to hold it. Um, and then at some point you're going to run out. And if you yeah. don't, then you're throwing away a lot of meat or you're donating it, whatever. But mm -hmm. it's still not good for your bottom line, whatever yeah. you're doing with, with the product. Um, and so like part of it is, is equipment, like mm -hmm. our, our holding equipment. When I toured some barbecue restaurants in, in New Orleans and just raised my hand and said, guys, I'm, you know, I'm kind of getting this world. I'd, I'd, I'd love you help a, a, a guy from down the street out. And they said, sure. Mm -hmm. um, and, and one of the, the I heard from both, both groups was spend a ton of money, more than you thought, on your holding equipment. Because if mm -hmm. you don't have that, you're going to dry everything out. That's what I was going to ask next is how do you, again, because it's not cooked order stuff, it's stuff that you start at the beginning of the day when it comes off, how do you keep it warm but not drying it out? It's, it's that equipment. It's just money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's, it's truly buying the best of the best in that regard. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, yeah, we, we couldn't afford the best of every single piece of equipment, but all the guys said, if you're going to splurge on one thing, you got to get the holding equipment for the meat because that's the beginning end of your show, mm -hmm. right? All right, so... On a personal note, what's your favorite thing at the restaurant? Oh, man. Um, it seems kind of loaded. Like, what's the... Yeah. Does that hurt the other items on the menu if you say you like one particular no, thing? No, it, so it shouldn't. It really shouldn't. Um, what I mean, I'm going to answer it this way. What I eat the most is truly our wedge salad mm -hmm. with diced turkey and the honey lime vinaigrette. I eat that more than anything else. Um, I like drinking at the restaurant as much as I do eating at the restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of times I'll get our little pickled veggie um, board or I'll get the, the charcuterie because mm -hmm. I can have one or two cocktails and, and kind of pick at that. Yeah. Um, I'll, I get the sliders a lot as well. I like them reggae as, as they come. You have mm -hmm. uh, one chicken, one brisket, and one pulled pork. Uh, I, I, think, I think it's a, a good little combination where I'm usually, you know, I, not super hungry or, or don't want to feel super hungry because, I mean, early on we, we heard, we got some complaints about portions. Mm -hmm. um, that was probably the most consistent complaint we got was, was portions. And I'm like, I know our portions are good. Like I, I've, yeah. I've been all over the country and eating at these type of elevated barbecue joints, like our, our portions are, are right, maybe even a little bit fat because we're Louisiana for crying <laughs> out loud. So they were saying they were too small? Too small. Oh. but. It, it became pretty apparent that, look, in Lafayette, like I said, there's not a big barbecue legacy. A lot of it's plate lunch barbecue style, gas station barbecue, mm -hmm. half chicken quarters. And yeah, if, if you if you take our portions and you put them in a styrofoam container with a big hole and the two small ones, you're not closing the thing. But on a big metal pan, the optics are a little bit different. Um, that's actually completely kind of called out. Like we, we really don't hear it anymore because I think people leave with stuff in their hands or, or, mm -hmm. or full bellies, so, so it, it's good. Um, but I, I'd say the sliders pretty often, and 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 the and the uh, the wedge salad is my two go-tos. Like I said, whenever we go, we always get the whole hog. Like, and that's just it's me, my wife, it's my two daughters. We can all split that and maybe get a couple extra sides just to make everybody happy. My wife, one of the more picky eaters in the family, she'll get the bag of chips. Uh, my youngest will probably get the mac and cheese. I like the mac and cheese too, so sometimes I'll get that, or I'll get the smothered green beans, which yeah. are some of the best. Yeah, the, the some of the best smothered green beans I think I've had at, at any local establishment. And we added we added the um, the Brussels for my wife. She's a Brussels junkie, and they are dynamite. 
Uh, I was not a big Brussels guy, but they're they're good. Um, and honestly, I, I wasn't a grits guy my whole life. I, I felt like all the grits were like what you get when you go to like a Waffle House or just yeah. I just I couldn't ever get my 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 brain wrapped around this. It's very yeah. much a texture thing. And then Blake made these grits. I'm like, holy hell! I catch myself eating these grits all the time. And I was like, I don't even like grits, but I love these grits. But the whole hog was something that I actually I ran across that at a uh, at a restaurant in Jacksonville a couple summers ago. And my father, brother, and I were there, and we all kind of wanted everything. I said, let's just let's get this. Mm -hmm. It was their version of right. Yeah. It wasn't exactly the same, but it was it was a, a great idea. And I remember taking that mental picture of, mm -hmm. hey, look. When I do this, mm -hmm. uh, I need to I need to remember this 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 menu item. And early on, I said I was surprised at how many we sold. But I think it was because people just wanted to try yeah. a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. And then I think when the restaurant started to mature a little bit, you started seeing people of what was on the whole hog. They started like choosing that individually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But now it's almost going back to full reversion where people come in and you'll see a, a, a table of you know six people. They'll order three whole hogs or eight people and three whole hogs, they just put it all out there. And it's just a very much a family mm -hmm. style thing, which is kind of how That's we eat anyway, it. right? Around our families. And, and it's, it's really neat to see. Now it's also cool to see is when he orders a burn ends and they'll order a second. We had a table order five in a row, back to back to back. <laughs> I'm like, man, like they're good, but geez. Um, but Slow down. Yeah, right. But it, it, we see a lot of sharing, which is really cool. That's awesome. That's, I think that's one of the coolest things is, you know, when, when we started the, the podcast, one of the things is, you know, we like the idea of people coming together and, and you know, you, the idea that communities are made when you break bread with each other, yep. stuff like that. And when yep. you see people come in and, and doing that very literally, it's kind of kind of reassuring, you know, considering About everything else. Yeah. 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 And considering the last year and a half or so, especially. Well, I think that's what we missed most. Yeah. When we, it, I mean, obviously you want to be able to do all the things and, and make money and and the world be normal and everyone be safe. But I think it was the loneliness and people wanted to gather and we just couldn't gather. Yeah. Um, on that note, what, you know, given the last year and a half, what's maybe one of the biggest struggles with, in any sort of restaurant, in any sort of restaurant, the, the biggest struggles in the restaurant business right now? It, it's people. You know, early on it was people and we were struggling to have that first initial hire of, of individuals mm -hmm. who were, okay to come out of their house and, and, and serve a community. Um, <clears throat> and then once we had people that we could open the doors, then it was people coming in, right? Who, who was not afraid, who was? Um, and then how did you respect those people? You know, we all, mm -hmm. all have the same ideas and, and, and feelings about what we've lived in for the last 12 months, but you're gonna respect your, your neighbor, at least in, yeah. in, in this restaurant, you're gonna. Um, and so that was important to, to, to provide that comfort and then, um, <clears throat> you know, you, you, get, you kind of go through the, the headwinds of, are you doing it right? Do you make one mistake? Do you get social shame? Do, do, you know, accidents happen. Like you just, it just, it was, it was pins and needles, right? And then you had to rely on your people, right? Your, your, your kind of management, but then there's your staff. And, and I'm, I'm a very culture oriented guy in our back of the house, our culture's planted around, pretty obvious to see. Um, I believe that you know, when you have a great culture, it's going to get you through the hard times together, but it's also going to allow you to celebrate the successes, mm -hmm. right? You know, we, I, we, we've had crawfish boils together. We've had Halloween parties. We've had Christmas parties with the staff. Like, I think it's very important for that culture for people to feel because when it gets tough, 
you're going to lean on on that that person the right or left of you you know and then and you got the two hurricanes last year they have freeze again right and then <laughs> you know I, I never really cared what day of the week christmas is on until it's on a weekend that means that new year's is on a weekend too and i mean between the hurricanes the the two holidays and and the freeze deal i mean you lost over a quarter of your weekends yeah. in, in, in a time where you were you know, having sales projections that were tough. I mean, you asked about how do you keep the, the, the food consistent, right? Mm-hmm. And it was and it creating those par levels where we want to try to have it till the end of the shift. Man, there were days in, in late last fall when we kind of went back to phase three and people didn't want to homeschool again. So they really kind of hunkered down and it was like, holy Mac, wh- yeah. what do you do, right? Like you just, you, you couldn't really predict it. Then you come out and, and, and we're in the spring and it was in, in pretty good shape. Like sales kind of volumes got predictable. You, you knew how much meat to cook each day, you know, how long to hold it. You, you knew all those things. Um, and, and then really, you know, it was a lot of the, the stimulus monies that, that, again, it was back to people. Yeah. Uh, that's been the hardest thing. It, it's just, it's been the people who want to come in and work and, and um, you know, we, we've given a lot of raises to the, the folks that do show up and have pride in what they're doing. Um, and, and we've got a really cool family environment. We have a lot of folks that have made it the full year with us, which is really, really that's awesome. Um, but it's the people. Now, you know, the commodity pricing at the moment yeah. is, is, is atrocious. I mean, you finally get predictable sales and, and people are coming out for the first time and then you see them. Our, our, our customer retention has been phenomenal. Like, I love it when I'm, I'm sitting at the bar or, and I'm, I'm eating food or having a, having a whiskey or whatever and you can see somebody pull in. You can almost tell if they've been here before. Like, they don't know where to park or where to walk mm-hmm. in because it's, it's a little bit different, right? And we, I put up as many signs as I possibly could. I look at Tacky of, you know, go to the front door. You can come in the back door. The regulars do. They all just slide in the back and so you can always kind of tell um but when you see them once it's you often see them back that following week and, and then they, and they now they're this is my spot at the bar they like sitting there and all that thing but you know with with last i looked and i kind of quit looking because it just it got daunting yeah. you know brisket was up 63 percent ribs 58 dark meat chicken 94 Lord. wings 115 percent i mean then it got into the cardboard and and, and the corn for the cornbread just mm-hmm. it's just everything and you know there's a lot of pressure to go raise pricing and you see a lot of my restaurant peers do it the guys have the qr codes they can i said i'm not i'm not doing qr menus we're going to print menus we're going to wipe them we're going to clean them and, and that's mm-hmm. what that's what i want when i walk in i want to touch it and look at it and feel it right yeah. um and, and it costs money to reprint menus but i don't want to be the expensive guy in town people don't know because i mean barbecue's expensive already yeah. and I feel like I, I'm, I'm at the, the limit. I'd love to raise them a bunch more, but I just don't think that's a prudent thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been asked by a lot of restaurateurs who've done this longer than me, you know, how did you open? How did you survive? But furthermore, how did you thrive how, mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. that year? Like, a lot of places don't last a year in regular times. Mm-hmm. And, and there, were, there were two things I kind of arrested on uh, from a Laurel standpoint is, don't make short-term decisions that negatively impact my long-term. That was really hard to not chase like tomorrow's dollar, or yesterday's dollar, because mm-hmm. once you give something to the consumer, you can't take it back. And it goes back to branding. I didn't want to cheat the brand. I didn't want to do something that wasn't true to the brand. And then I would go to sleep, I said it a thousand times, great food, great service, great ambiance, the rest of take care of itself. And that's what we've just focused on. If we can just do that, sell a great experience, people will come back. So my last question kind of goes back to something we talked about earlier, that would be the, the local barbecue scene. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not big here in Lafayette. There are, there, there's your place, there's a couple places. As far as 
building up a local barbecue scene, what would be, I guess, the city's next or the area's next steps in terms of kind of building that culture here? I think belief. I think I think it's proof and concept, right? Like what Matt does at Blanchard's is, is phenomenal. I, I'm a big fan of his. I ate there on a regular basis before I had my own restaurant. Mm-hmm. But look, he closes at two o'clock in the afternoons. I, I like having a cocktail with my barbecue. I just, that's my thing when I'm on the, learning to cook on the back porch. It was always with a beer or a whiskey or a, something else, right? Um, and so I thought the bar scene was important. When I, when I traveled to these kinds of places, like I said, this is a self-fulfilling prophecy, I, I, that bar scene was important. Um, you know, and, and, like, and what Johnson's does, it's, it's a little bit different bar. It's not, like, it's not a traditional barbecue, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we've had other guys that have come and gone, corporate guys and, and local guys, but I, I think it's about, you know, proof and concept. So, you know, the, the, the world, it's, it's hard to take that risk. And when you see somebody else who you probably didn't think it would work and it worked, then you realize you can do it. I mean, I, I remember, uh, I've known Charlie Goodson from Charlie G's for, for many, many years, family mm-hmm. friend. And as soon as it kind of broke that I was gonna do this, he, he tracked me down and said, look, Ryan, 100 dudes are gonna tell you this isn't gonna work, 100 dudes. And I'm telling you it will. If you execute it right, and you stick to your plan, it'll work. Um, and he was one of my first customers on, on that first week, and I truly appreciate that. I'm not sure I told him that, but thank you, Charlie. Um, and, and he's right. You know, you just, you just got to stick with it, and then the rest will take care of itself. Well, I think that's pretty good advice. So we'll end there. Um, thanks so much for coming. No, this was really fun. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll have to get people out to try some things. Yeah. yeah. I want some of those bacon things. Bacon